we head into the end of the year, meaning the end of 2022, and we got to look back reflectively, but also with an eye for business, giving perspective now with what we know. As they always say, hindsight is 2020. Well, in this time, hindsight is 2022. Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast where you'll learn from the experiences of America's most innovative and successful farmers as they shorten your learning curve, increase your yield, ROI, and profit. This episode of Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Sylvius Financial, the company that offers customized risk management solutions for your farming operation. Sylvius Financial integrates crop insurance with government programs and grain and cattle marketing to achieve profitability for your farm. And now, here is your host, Damian Mason. All right. Hey, thanks for being here. This is another great episode of Extreme Ice Cutting the Curve. We're talking to the Sylvius guys uh, about hindsight's 2022, what the markets are telling us at harvest time, what things we're seeing now that surprise us, what we're seeing now that do not surprise us. We got Lane Miles of Miles Farms joining us on here because he is a client of Sylvius. Remember, Sylvius Financial is a company that merges and fuses together three things that are very important to your farming operation, crop insurance, commodity marketing, and navigation of government programs. With me from Sylvius are my two pals, Bryce Goose and Sean Finley. They are risk advisors with the company. In other words, they're the two that can help you keep your farm profitable, or at least uh, navigate all of those things that we talked about, crop insurance, government programs, and commodity marketing. Hindsight 2022, what the markets are telling us now, what you're looking at now. Here we are, we're toward the end of the year. The Christmas decorations are out at the stores. Uh, Sirius Radio is already playing Christmas music. It must mean that sometime after Labor Day. Anyway, what are we thinking? What are you seeing? What do you, what do you see that right now you're like, man, didn't see this coming, or wow, absolutely predicted this coming. Sean, you go first. I would say one of the things that you know we really didn't expect to see um, was demand, especially for you know corn here, U.S. almost falling off a cliff. Um, you know, kind of back late last year, January to or January and February, we were seeing some of the best corn demand in terms of exports that we'd ever seen. And I believe the exact number to year to date is we are almost 600 million bushels behind last year. Demand. Demand, correct. So 600 million bushels behind what the demand picture looked like last year at this time. By the way, if you're listening to this and you're saying, yeah, when are you recording this? We're right now November 4th. So in other words, uh, even if you're hearing this in December, that might be a little different picture. But we're giving you our picture as these folks see it today, November 4th, 2022. 600 million bushels behind on the demand on corn. And that, of course, that sounds like a lot. But then again, we're talking that's out of 14 billion bushels a year. What's that amount to? That's like 3%. How big of a swing is 3%? Well, it's. I would look at it more in terms of what we typically have for a corn export program. I mean, some of the best corn export programs that we've ever had are between like 2.2 and 2.4 billion bushels. So you talk 600 million behind that, and that's Dang near 25%. Yeah, okay. So, and by the way, my math is very likely off. Lane was running his head right there when I said 600 million out of 14 billion. Like, what did I say it was? I said like 5%. All right, I'll do the math right now. Lane, going to you before we go to Bryce, the old man. By the way, the new father of the group. Uh, Lane, what are you seeing right now that surprises you? The number one thing that surprises you uh, from the farm, from the combine seat, from your office there at Miles Farms? I'm going to say from the picker seat, Damien. Uh, you know, we're in a, we're in a, area where we grow cotton and you know early in the early in the year we were looking at a 
dollar, a little over a dollar cotton. Uh, and, and don't get me wrong, we took we participated in some of that, and now it's down down around eighty cents. It's made it's made a run here lately, but uh, you know it's one of those deals. Hindsight's twenty twenty two. You know, you, you kind of kick yourself in the butt when you think, man, I could I could have had some of that dollar cotton. I think that you know, with the, with some of the stuff that we we've, we've heard coming out of uh, Texas and stuff, I think that I think some of that's going to come back, but I don't know. Very few times we ever seen that before. Okay, so wait a minute. We're talking about twenty percent price erosion in cotton, and that's in about a three month time frame, two month time frame. Yeah, I would say. Wouldn't you say, Bryce? So Bryce, some sometime in the last couple months. I mean, yeah, it's probably and- closer to. It's probably closer to halved. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, I mean, at one point we we're one twenty-five, one thirty. These twenty-two cotton at one point in time this year. Okay, so one twenty-five, one thirty, and then you said we're sitting right now around eighty, but that's actually after it took a bounce off the bottom. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've, come, we've come up some in the last couple of days, but I mean, we're sitting at like uh, eighty, eighty-six cents today. Okay. The the low in cotton was seventy with a one thirty four high, so it almost perfectly halved. Almost perfectly halved. All right, so we're going to talk about protection on that, but that's the surprise. We're going to go through surprises, and then we're going to talk about uh, ways to not let surprises uh, hurt you. Um, surprise on that lane. You know, we talk about obviously econ one hundred one prices are a reflection of supply and demand. Did we just produce the hell out of cotton? Or did uh, the textile mills stop making stuff? Were they oversupplied because they couldn't sell stuff during COVID and there was bales of cotton at every textile mill in India or Vietnam or wherever our cotton goes for to manufacture clothing? What, what happened? I got a really good friend of mine that is an expert in marketing and he happens to be on this Zoom. So I, I, I mightn't have to pass that question off to Bryce. All right, so then let's just talk about what you do know about. You know about production. Was cotton so good in the United States? Uh, and obviously, if you're tuning in, you don't know Lane. Lane and his father, Matt. Matt's one of the founders of Extreme Ag. They're in the Delta region of Arkansas, uh, southeast Arkansas. Um, Arkansas is, what, the number three cotton state, Texas being number one, Georgia number two. You, you guys might be fourth. I don't know. But the point is, you grow oh, cotton. Did the rest of the states that grow cotton grow the heck out of it? Or why? Do, what, what do we see on production? Man. Really and truly, especially for our area, you know, cotton cotton yields were down. Uh, I think they were down in Texas too, and, and everybody's going to go to Texas just like they go to the Midwest for 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 corn. Uh, I I it it kind of when it started bottoming out, you know, we got one one guy here that works with us, and he, he actually is a landowner of ours too. He he owns about six or seven hundred acres and every morning he come hey cotton cotton's dropping out cotton's dropping out and finally it gets down to that 70 cent mark and you're like golly uh then we get into harvest and 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 it's i mean i'm not gonna say it's complete it was crap but it was it was down pretty good compared to what we we thought we had i mean we 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 thought we had a this is gonna sound big we thought we had an 1800 2000 pound crop based on bowl counts and, and 800 to 2,000 pounds per acre for people that are listening to this, because a lot of folks don't keep up with cotton. Uh, what's that mean? That's uh, what would it be? That's 300 bushel corn for us. That's what? That would be 300 bushel corn for us. Yeah. So it's it's amazing. 1,800 to 2,000 bushel of cotton is an amazing number. It's, it's really so, good. So production was down compared to what expectation was. And that's what you're hearing from the other big cotton producing regions. So that's not why we saw these price issues. We'll go over to Bryce. Uh, the new daddy in the group. Uh, congratulations. 
answer me this. First off about the price, if it's not because of an amazing amount of supply, that means demand had to drop even more precipitously than, uh, than supply. Did the whole world make a lot of cotton and the U.S. didn't, or did the whole world stop using cotton? I, me and Sean actually just talked about this a few weeks ago before this cotton rally hit. I mean, the U.S. dollar is growing stronger in the in the demand. I mean, the way that this world is heading, we're heading into a recession. I hate to say it, but when the economy and stuff starts going that way, I mean, typically we're not going to have the demand that we need for cotton. I mean... And it's hard to say, but then like we, me and Sean are even going back and forth. Oh, well, we're not going to see much cotton next year at 70 cents for next year. But his argument was us planting less acres. How much of a global impact does that cause? I know Sean has probably some more numbers on that, but it's just other outside factors are weighing in on the cotton market instead of just the, just the, just the, the simple production standpoint. Meaning, meaning that textile mills were apparently caught up and oversupplied or, or whatever after we didn't buy many clothes because you couldn't go to Kohl's during the pandemic. They caught up, they made stuff. Now we're plenty supplied. They don't have as much need for it. And they're actually slowing down. <coughs> we don't, we're not going to buy as many clothes a year from now. Is that what you're thinking? You're thinking I would say more like, I mean, you know, just with like, you know, cotton is really influenced by what happens in China. I mean, you're really starting to see China's economy slow down. Yep. Our dollar has shot up as a result of all interest rates rising. I mean, I've always kind of said cotton's a, a leading indicator. I mean, it's not necessarily a follower. It kind of goes right along with economies. And when you see all these global economies start to slow down and pause, cotton's really going to take the brunt of that. All right, Bryce, we didn't get to your surprise. We, we had to go over and talk about cotton, which was, that's just, that's just a big number for me. So Sean's surprise is corn demand dropped. Um, and I ran those numbers, by the way, 600 million out of a 14 billion uh, bushel yield. That means that's only 4.2%, 4.3%, which doesn't sound like a lot, but that's four point. Your point was, it's not 600 million of a drop in demand from 14 billion. It's 600 from what last year was about, Four times, so it's one fourth of what the the demand on the this time of year, and this this time of year we're talking. Correct, year to date. Yeah. Okay, Bryce, what's your surprise? What surprised you now with November fourth hindsight, looking at what's happened in twenty twenty two? I would say two months ago we wouldn't think that we would see around seven dollar corn during harvest. I mean, just just this past week, March corn was just above seven dollars and these 22 tested seven bucks and where our conversations were a couple months ago we sure didn't think that that was going to be the case today didn't we have a thing where we talked about puts and calls and you explained it to to me what those are we talked to lane was on here protecting yourself and then the angle was usually historically we head into fall combine start rolling prices decline because nobody's pushing demand, bases, uh, bases, uh, you know, strength. There's nobody paying positive bases because ain't nobody needs a corn. We thought we might be like five fifty or something, didn't we? Yeah, that's what was the downside risks. The downside risks that we were discussing with guys was that, and then we kind of get this narrative, and then just like this past week on over the weekend, Russian announces the. They're, they're not going to allow exports from the Black Sea and then wheat's up 50 and corn's up 15, 20 with it. So, I mean, there's just been other kind of narratives that have been helping strengthen corn and give us this 
good price at harvest, I would say. The 20 cent run because of the whole Russia thing and, and saying they're going to blockade grain shipments out of Ukraine or whatnot. 20 cents is 20 cents is not the difference between 550 that we thought it might no. be seven bucks. So what there's other, there's other outlying uh, factors. Yeah. Just with the past WASDE reports there, they've been cutting yield each month as well. So with, with the mix of decreased yield in the U S and with that, we've, been able to rally during a time that was seasonally we typically do not okay sean i'm bringing it back around the horn here to you okay those are surprises um the thing that doesn't surprise you that might surprise someone else the thing that you predicted and by the way remember i get interviewed by media and i always feel smart and you know and then they say things like well what do you think about this going to happen and then you tell them now if you are one of those that wants to be perceived as an expert but not actually take a stand you're supposed to say 40% chance. I read an article about this one. So always think about this guys. If you're supposed to be the expert say, well, there's about a 40% chance this is going to happen. So it's more than just happenstance but it's not saying fully it will happen and that's the way you cop out. I never do that. I go full tilt and say, I'm guaranteeing this is going to happen. So all right, what did you guarantee me? Brand new year, January, February, the first time you and I recorded a podcast, maybe six, now nine to 10 months ago, Sean, what did you predict that doesn't surprise you at all that maybe others missed? Uh, that this year was probably going to be the most volatile year in terms of price of action that we've seen in a long time. Yeah, um, thing, volatile means that we would have gone from $350 to $8 corn or $11 to $19 soybeans. We didn't have that big of swings. Come on. Uh, what five to seven fifty? I mean, pretty much a two dollars. Five to seven fifty, back down to five fifty. I mean, we swung <laughs> like 40 percent each way, almost. <laughs> All right. So I, I was I was challenging you to see if you actually uh, knew the numbers. All right. So we did see thirty to forty percent swings. Uh, that's probably not. It's certainly not never happened, but it doesn't normally happen. Yeah. It. I mean, we see some big price swings normally, especially in the spring and the summer when we get weather. I would say the thing that made this year so much different was how fast it happened. I mean, when we went to 740 kind of early spring, or I guess I was kind of, yeah, right around May-ish, late, later spring. I mean, we went from 740 to 550 in like two weeks. I mean, it was just blink of an eye, $2 were gone. And we that went, is, we were, well, just real quick, you're saying in May, we went from seven. Uh, actually, it was on June 17th, we went from 746 to 568 on July 7th. So in about a two weeks time, we just completely erased almost $2 a bushel for corn. And you, you could have been on either side. You could have felt like a genius or you could have felt like a dunce, uh, depending on which side of that you were on, right? Correct. All right. So you're saying that that's the one prediction that you had that was accurate. And you would have, you would have told me that right after we rang in the new year, you would have said, here's something I'm predicting. This is going to be one of the more volatile years from a price standpoint that we've ever seen. Bryce, don't be outdone by your coworker. What's the thing that you predicted that you were accurate about? I would say we actually probably both did, Sean. I'll give you some credit on this. But when the Russian news hit and we were up at 740, 750, we were pretty certain and we were pushing guys we don't see corn above eight bucks. And a lot of people were still looking up, looking up and looking up for that eight in front of the DS 22 and just could not quite pull the trigger. And I think that was one of the things where we as a company were kind of hindsight 2020 about that. Like, Hey, 
look at your profitability. We're very profitable at this 740, 750. Why do you want to chase the extra 50 cents? So you're saying that you and John both predicted, listen, yeah, there's a lot of noise in the marketplace, Russia, Ukraine, media was talking that there's going to be starvation, whatever. And then you said, don't look for 745, 750 is already a home run. If it's not, it's a hell of a dice triple that drives in two runs. Stick with it. Take it. Take the money. You said I predicted that. Yes, sir. By the way, you're nodding your head. I will remind you that in general, podcasts are audio, which means they're listening to it. There's not one person that's driving their track right now that can hear you nodding your head. Thank you, Brian. Well, then why do we have to get all cleaned up for this then? Well, because we also make it a video for those that want to watch video. So thank you for asking. It brings up an excellent point. If you are new to this and someone just shared with you, Cutting the Curve is both an audio and a video format. You can see our videos over on uh, Acres TV, but you can also find them at ExtremeAg.Farm. So go there. I have been to Miles Farms. I've been to all of the guys' farms. I have been to Commodity Classic. I've been to Farm Progress Show. I've been to Field Days, Ag PhD, and I have taped a whole bunch of stuff. So if you are listening to this and this is the first time you've listened to it, go back and check out all the great stuff we've done. Bryce and Sean have been on here a number of times. Matt Miles, uh, Lane's father, has been on here before. We give you information you can use. And also it's intelligent information along with insights and a dose of outlook and entertainment. Um, the one thing that you predicted back in January, February. So Lane, you've been farming now. You're in your late 20s. You've been farming it's like your 10th season, right? You're getting to where you've seen enough that you can kind of have some degree of confidence that, okay, I've kind of seen this before. I think that this might be the case. You still get surprised sometimes, you, you know, but what's the one thing that you were pretty confident about in January, February that you predicted or saw coming and it did? You know, not very often does, does does corn hit seven dollars or cotton hit a dollar and and beans go to sixteen dollars and stay there. I mean, I'm kind of kind of like Sean. I mean, you you know that you know that stuff's going. You're, it's coming down at some point in time. Uh, the hard things to know when, where's the high, you know all that. So you know, luckily that's kind of what we've got Sylvia's here and Bryce here for is to kind of help us with with. I'm not saying hit the high, but but risk management. Hey. You know, book a little here, book a little there. Let's do this. Uh, let's get some call spreads. Uh, you know, so so just not necessarily a prediction, but I mean, it, it's it's one of those things that you know that every year you've got ups and downs, and this has been a crazy year. So market's going to be crazy with it. So then the next thing is when we we want to give uh, the person listening to this uh, some guidance. All right, that's the stuff that surprises. That's the stuff that didn't surprise us. Now here we are. Um, we look back and see what's going on. There's going to be some regret. There's going to be some things that we're appreciative of that we did. Your job at Sylvius Financial is to help these farming operations remain solvent and obviously big goal of big profit. What thing are you looking at saying, you know what, we're really glad we advise people. You just told me, Bryce, you advise people. Don't, don't think that there's somehow a little bit of unrest over in Asia and Europe is going to make this thing $10 corn. Let's not be foolish here. Let's take some, let's take our profits and, uh, and make that. What's the thing that you saw Sean or Lane that you're glad you did or uh, advice you heeded uh, decisions you made that you're like, yep, feel pretty good about that one. I would say a lot of the decisions that I felt really good that I kind of helped steer clients to was 
some of the preseason planning. Um, I mean, on some of these podcast episodes, we've alluded to like insurance products like ECO and SEO. So a lot of what I did kind of before the year started was getting guys lined up with policies like that and then tacking on marketing strategies that didn't cap upside just instantly at the market, you know, like, so we didn't sell cash right away. We protected price with insurance products and options to give producers better upside. Lane, what decision did you make that you're feeling good about? Uh, and it could be on your own. It could be just something you did. It can have nothing to do with marketing. It can have something to do with what you planted, selection, or it can have everything to do with what you and the boys from Sylvia's uh, teamed up and did. What are you feeling good about the decision in 2022 that Miles Farms did? Oh, I mean, I can give you a, a feel good and a feel bad one. Um, ah, I like it. Uh, you know, first first off on on soybeans, and I don't know, I'm not going to say that that Sylvia's necessarily told us that to do this, but you know, we booked we booked quite a bit of beans at 1250. Uh, I mean, when I mean quite a bit, I mean I think Bryce, I mean, it was real close to 50. percent Uh, now me and Dad kind of sit and talked about it, and then we called Bryce and we're like, hey, let's have a meeting, and we talked about it, and you know. Just something we felt like, hey, we, man, we ain't seen 1250 in forever. Let's get some. We got some. We probably got a little too much, but you know, you can't you can't kick yourself for that. The looks like the best thing we did all year, and and our we're real weird about insurance. Insurance doesn't work real good here all the time. Uh, but Bryce come to us and you know about the stacked program in cotton, and looks like that's gonna be looks like that's gonna be a pretty good bang for our buck because we were you know we were started out didn't think it was going to be real good cotton price was real good and uh cotton fell out like we we talked about just earlier well then stacks kicks in i think it's the end of october october roughly sometimes when that you know when we we didn't need it to go back up by the end to be able to capture that insurance well now the first of november after that date it started going back up so we're hopefully get double dip theoretically yeah, because there was a point in time where they did not want cotton to go up because yeah. if cotton went up, they made less per acre because they were in such, they were so far in the money on their stacks program that it would have costed them for a cotton rally. They being Miles Farms, and we've talked yep. about this before, where programs have this screwy thing where it's it's actually depending on what you're locked in your program, it can be bad for you if there's price appreciation uh Unless it's huge, if it's just a little bit, it just takes you out of the money on a program you bought into. And that's what you're talking about, Bryce. Yep. And stacks isn't something we normally do. How did that's it very end up? much, sir. How did it end up? How did it end up? I think it looks like we made Bryce was it $150, $200 a day or something like that. Yeah, we'll see when the insurance, the government cuts the check, but we don't know the official dollar amount until everything's settled and you get right. all the final yields and all that stuff goes. But yeah, I mean, it should be a very nice looking check. And I'm not making this a commercial for Sylvius because they're already sponsoring this and everybody listening knows it. But two years ago, if you weren't working with them, would you have would you have played it that way, Lane? And no. not, would it have worked out it would have worked out worse? Yeah, well, I mean, I just I wouldn't I wouldn't have had it. I probably wouldn't have known anything about it. Uh the guy here that does the guy we work with here in, in town is 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 brilliant. I mean he I mean really and truly he's really good. Uh, and we come to him with the stacks. He's like, man, I, I don't know about that. I don't think it's going to work. And he, he come, 
he did some research on it. He's like, I'm fixing to get absolutely everybody I can get to, to you know, to go and go with stacks. And uh, it's, it's, it was just something a little bit out of our, our comfort zone. Yeah. Like I said, this isn't really a big insurance area. And, and that's something we talk about every year at the beginning of the year, you know, with Bryce is, is different insurance options. Yeah. Uh, normally nine times out of 10, it's not something we do. Bryce, explain stacks in 30 seconds. It is basically, it, it, it was a subsidized put that they had based on the county yield and price. So I think this, the plant price for cotton, correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, it was like at 105 or something around there was where the floor was. And October, when we slipped down to that 75, whatever cotton that we were at, basically they had a put bought at 105. Okay. So they were getting all the downside from there. A put means the right to sell. So. Means the right. Remember, we're revisiting past episodes. It put yeah. me the right to sell, and you're saying subsidized. The government kicked in and bought it, so it didn't cost the lane, and uh, it didn't cost the Miles Farms anything. Well, it costed them some money. I mean, it was still it's still not. I mean, it's depending on your area. I mean, it could be upwards of 15, 20 bucks an acre for some of those products. I mean, yeah. they subsidize it some, but not one hundred percent. Got it. All right. So a uh, decision you made. And then uh, Lane, you said you gave us two. The one I guess you're saying was you're kicking yourself a little bit. That you sold beans a little bit too low, but also what do they always say? You, you, your farm can't go broke taking a profit. So right. 50 was a little low compared to where it looks like now, hindsight being as it is, but you're kicking yourself that you went 50% at 1250 and now the remaining 50%, your dollar, your dollar averaging up on those bushels though. Right. 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 Yeah. 1250, 1250 for my farmer career was some of the highest beans I ever sold. <laughs> right. Right. So, so, um, what, uh, okay. We said, uh, surprises, uh, thing that you predicted that was accurate decision you made that was, uh, that was good. Um, decision was made was bad. Uh, Lane already gave us one. Is there anything on the Sylvia side that, uh, you're saying, yeah, you know what, here's something that I wish uh, we hadn't advised people to do. Because if you're, if you're being honest here, there's probably a couple of things that you, you know, you'd take back, um, if you could. I would say probably in the middle of that Russian rally lane probably was with me where he, where he wasn't appreciating the daily margin call email Ooh. that they were getting in the account, but hindsight, that's one thing I want to bring up. Like what Sean was saying, yeah, they sold 1250 beans, but they also didn't sell as much $5 corn because of the, of the pre-position that we got them in. But one thing that was positive is yes, we rode that all the way up where he wasn't liking margin calls at 740, 750. But as we work back down, we ended the year in a positive position because we didn't get emotional and we didn't panic and run and jump out of that position too early. We waited for the for everything to calm down. We got out of the position. We sold the corn at a good price and it ended okay. But that's what I know we've preached on this podcast a lot. Try not to get emotional. And that was like the perfect example where they didn't panic. They didn't like the market call emails every day, but it worked out in the end. Difficult not to get emotional once your money though. Uh, yep. So the 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 end all on that was it was a little bit painful, but by but the end you're happy lane with where things end up on the corn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's first year I've ever really done any kind of uh, uh, market spread, you know, spreads like that. You know, I'm just learning, and you know, we made a little bit of money. I mean, we didn't we didn't knock it out of the park, but but Compared to where we were, we knocked it out of the park. Yeah, right, right, right. 
Cool. All right. Uh, <clears throat> decision you made, good and bad. We just kind of went through that. But Sean, you didn't tell us one. You didn't tell us a decision or a piece of advice you gave that you wish you hadn't or something you wish you could take back. Everybody gets smarter when you remember, just like every athlete gets better the more years they're away from their competitive sport. When we have these calls a decade from now, Lane will have been all state number 59 there, number 57. I'm sorry. There you go. Number outside linebacker for the McGee Tigers. Owls. Owls. The Owls, the McGee Owls. <laughs> By the time we talk to him in another, another decade, he will have been the best athlete that McGee High School ever produced. And he will have, uh, he ran a 4 uh, he, he bench pressed uh, 285 uh, routinely as a 16 year old. That's how it works. So remember, the, the further you're away from the incident you get, the better you were. But right now, let's admit, where'd you, where'd you screw up? Where'd you make a mistake? Where were you wrong? I would say the biggest mistake that I made out here, especially in the Western part of the belt, is basis has made a monumental change compared to where we normally see here. I mean, here in central Nebraska at harvest time, guys normally sell corn for like 30 under a basis. Right now it's 30 over. And if you go about two hours west, it's almost a dollar over. So guys are seeing basis swings 50 cents to a dollar 50 differential than they normally do. I mean, part of that's been the drought the last couple of years in Kansas, Texas, Oklahoma. But we also had that huge hailstorm come through Nebraska. So, I mean, just the combination of all of that has led to some wild basis swings that I, I mean, people knew it was going to be wild, but not quite that. Yeah, that's hard to predict. Okay, so the person that's tuning in for the first time ever to Extreme Ash Cutting the Curve, they like what they're hearing from the Sylvia's Financial Group. And they're like, man, I'm digging on this. These guys can help me uh, stay solvent. But I'm embarrassed to ask. I'm only 19 years old. I'm new at this whole thing. What the hell's basis? So go ahead and just do the quick, just like we had 30 seconds of explanation from Bryce. Explain basis, positive and negative, to the person that doesn't want to ask but uh, wants to be more clear on the subject. Uh, basis would be the difference between the futures price and the cash price you receive at your end user. So if the board's at $7 and you get paid $6.50, you have a 50 under basis. Um, I, I always kind of explain it as a function of supply and demand of the local markets. So the point is normally in the fall when the combines are running, the Chicago Board of Trade, I guess it's called the CME group now, would say, yep, $7 corn. But in your local elevator in Nebraska, they're like, yeah, it says $7 on the CME group website, but we don't need any more corn because everybody's bringing truckloads to us. We're going to pay you 620 we're 80 cents under a negative a minus 80 basis is what we're saying right and mm -hmm. what you just said that's so surprising and this is weather and supply related supply because of weather right sean yeah yep and we're actually paying positive basis right now which is very very rare for being as big of a corn surplus state as we are yeah, generally at this time of year, if you're in a state that grows corn, there's no such thing as a positive basis in November, and you're saying now there is. Bryce, going to you, and we'll come back to my man Lane. What do you got? What did what What do you look back now and like? Yeah, this kind of this kind of caught me off guard, and uh, I guess it shouldn't have because should have seen this coming. I think it caught everyone off guard is when corn went from 750 to 550. I mean, we didn't expect that, especially like what Sean said in a two three week span. We were not expecting that. And same with cotton, Lane can attest to this. We weren't thinking 70 cent cotton when we we're at a dollar 25 plus. And just so, because I mean, if you happen to be watching the video here and not just listen to the audio, 
Bryce always likes this when I bring up my sharp scientific calculator EL531S that I got in 1988 when I went to become a freshman at his alma mater, Purdue University, because he has a, this is an antique to him, but just for fun, I just punched it out. That's a 26.6, a 27% swing in corn prices. And it happened in two weeks, three weeks, two weeks, yeah, two or three weeks, what Sean said. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is did that, did that thing on if you looked at graphing it, did it happen exactly? Did we see a 26% swing on soybeans and wheat to correlate at that exact same time? We really didn't, did we? Maybe on beans, but not on wheat, right? Wheat was just a different monster this year because of the Russian stuff as well, though. I mean, I, I bet wheat tracked with it somewhat, but it's just been, I mean, one one little tidbit of news on Russian wheat and wheat takes off 50 cents one one way or the other. We, we peaked earlier, too. All right. Yep. What did you miss, uh, Sean? What did you miss or think most people missed and maybe you didn't? What, what thing, is, looking back, it's like this should have been obvious and somehow a bunch of us missed it. I mean, even though I said that, you know, I expected volatility, I mean, I just think the sheer speed that it moved caught a lot, even stuck people like us off guard. I mean, you know, when you're walking through and talking markets with people, you know, you're, you're thinking of, you know, okay, if corn moves 50 cents, this is what we do. Yep. It moved. What was the, I think it moved the, the equivalent of two limits in one day at one point where it traded limit up and actually traded limit lower that same day. Yeah. So, I mean, just the sheer. But yeah. You're talking about volatility within the same day, limit up and limit down all in the same day. That's, that right. tells you that somebody's making money. Somebody should be making a hell of a lot of money on that day. Uh, you, I, I would say more people lost money on that day, unfortunately, <laughs> but <laughs> we can all dream. All right. So uh, back to you. Anything that, anything that you're looking back at lane, you're like, yeah, you know what? I should have seen this coming. Uh, I don't know if I'd have been able to see it, see it coming Damien and it's not necessarily, you know, in, in the market, but uh, you know, just our, 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 in our, in our local market, uh, we had, uh, we had, a lot of a lot of rain this this harvest and we ended up with a lot of damage and in our local market our due to damage we seen well over a dollar dockage from our from our damage and damage scales that were readjusted because they they couldn't take what we had and they couldn't just just take five percent five percent would have been six cents well now it's a it's a it's over a dollar yeah. So you're looking at a dollar swing just in something you can't control. Yeah. And the fat part is that dollar could very well be your margin. I mean, it's, it's yeah. been plenty of times when 25 cents might've been your margin in, in a bad year. And so eleven fifty really quick. Yeah. <laughs> it gets you back to uh, using your borrowed money. All right. Last thing. Uh, one thing that you think 2022 taught you, made you better, made you stronger, uh, has altered your decision-making for next year. One thing that you're like, Hey, we're all still learning, no matter how many years you've been farming, no matter how many years you've been in the risk advisor category, like uh, Sean and Bryce. One thing that you're saying, this is this is something from 2022 that I'm going to make sure I put in the in the noggin and carry forward and uh, help out help out help myself or my clients in the future. Sean, leveraging crop insurance and options to build your starting marketing strategy. Um, you know, kind of like Lane said, a lot of guys sold cash early in the year because they th thought that they were good prices and they were locking in profitability, which that is not a wrong thing whatsoever. But, you know, just kind of like you said, when beans go to 1250 to 1550, that stings a little bit. 
you know, so a lot of what we did was bought up on good insurance products and bought, you know, some type of option to kind of put the floor in and then just be patient to wait, market the crop in the volatile spring and summer months. <clears throat> Lane or Brian, who wants to go next? Uh, Lane, you go. Uh, something 2022 taught you that you're going to absolutely uh, put in your, uh, in your, in your arsenal for next year. In my truck. Well, we'll go to Bryce. Bryce, something 2022 bought you that's going to change, alter, or make you stronger the next year? I would just say patience in general. Um, just things got so volatile so quick, and it, it was so easy to just go ahead and flip the switch and go the opposite direction. Just like what Sean says, when we're in a limit up, they go to a limit down you can very easily, oh, crap, is up 20, let's buy. And then 10 minutes later, you're already underwater. And it's just being patient and letting the market do what it's going to do because you cannot predict it. Lane, uh, take away from 2022 that you're going to put in your, in your, in your mental, in your, in your mental uh, arsenal and use in the future something you learned from, something's going to make you stronger. I spent the probably one of the best hours I've spent all year. I spent an hour talking to Bryce about, and I and I and I pumped Bryce up. He's not that cool, but he's he's all right. Uh, he's the I, only one that's smart enough to wear his company's logo on the screen to make sure that then the people can see that he's out here. So yeah, it's on my arm, but I got it. John had John has it on his uh, on the side. He has to turn sideways to talk to us to see it. Anyway, so besides pumping up Bryce, what's the the hour that you got and what you got out of that hour? Uh, I, I I spent an hour with Bryce about talking puts and calls, call spreads. The basically the 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 podcast we did yep. a month or two ago, I did five months ago, and then we got into start doing some of those options. We got to we got the margin call e emails. We lost some money. We sold, we sold out of them. We, we bought some more. We made a little bit of money. We kind of broke us even a little bit plus made, I think, I think we made like 2,900 bucks by the end of it. At one point in time, we were down pretty, pretty solid. Uh, just to see the difference in how things can go for the good, how things can go for the bad and not to be, not to be terrified. It's okay to be scared, but not to be terrified for, you know, trying to do any of those, those spreads. I like that statement. I think we can end it there. And I would like to point out Bryce's big point was about patience. And remember, I could be very patient and unemotional with your money also. And that's I mean, right. that's really the big takeaway here that Bryce is making that I mean, it's somebody else's money. He's very patient. He doesn't get emotional because it's, it's not his. Isn't that right, Bryce? Uh, but you've seen the way that Matt looks. I wouldn't really want to piss him off. So I tried to still... Still not, maybe want to do that thing. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> Matt Miles is uh, is is, uh, is is the toughest guy in the extreme ag group. Uh, Temple and Kelly are both uh, like uh, little roosters running around the barnyard to think that they're uh, you know they, they think they're they're strutting they're strutting cocks around the, the you know in the in the chicken yard <laughs> and then and then there's and there's Matt and Matt just actually like. He's like the turkey. He's like, okay, you little chickens. He's like the bull. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're the toughest. You're the toughest poultry. I'm the bull. 
That's Matt Miles. All right. Um, we're wrapping it up. If you want to learn more about this stuff, Sylvia's Financial, that's where these guys work. They're both risk advisors. They uh, obviously want you to be profitable because they learned something a long time ago. If they can't help your business remain solvent, um, you're probably going to keep giving them your business. And that's why they are out there working for you. If they want to learn more about this, Sean and Bryce, where do they go? Sylvia'sFinancial.com. And we're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the main socials. Cool. Share this episode with somebody that you believe can glean value from it. And that's most anybody that's in a farming uh, operation because there's lots of good information here. His name is Lane Miles, uh, the bull's son, as we might say, uh, out of McGee, Arkansas. And, and again, number 57, uh, 200 pounds of streaking anger uh, as, as, the McGee, as the McGee High School Isles. Friday, by the way, we're recording this right now. And, you know, he'd be suiting up right now if he wasn't a farmer. My name is Damian Mace. Until next time, thanks for being here, guys. Good information. Until next time, it's Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. That's a wrap for this edition of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, brought to you by Sylvius Financial. Sylvius advisors show business-minded farmers how to integrate government programs with crop insurance, as well as crop and cattle marketing to achieve positive financial outcomes. Learn more at sylviusfinancial.com.